uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to Out Loud. In this episode, I wanted to review one of the newest events on the Unified Communications and Collaboration calendar, which concluded at the end of February. Collaboration Week New York 19 was created by the IMCCA, and I am joined today by their Director of Emerging Technologies, David Danto, to discuss the event and to understand some of the main themes and discussion points that emerged. The event took place in New York and allowed participants to tour around the city visiting different manufacturer, service provider and end-user venues to examine the latest developments in the worlds of collaboration and UC. I started by asking David what the concept behind Collaboration Week New York 19 was. Have a listen. The IMCCA has been involved in very high-quality industry uh, programming and sessions around unified communication for nearly 20 years at this point. And, and when we look at what's going on with the concept of trade shows, most of the trade shows are extremely expensive and a bother for everybody. It's not that they're not worth it, um, but, but you know, if you want to exhibit at one of these trade shows, you know, it's $10,000, $15,000 for a booth, and, and, and then you first have to build the booth, and then, you know, you've got to get 10, 20, 30 people, hotel rooms and online and get there, and you got to block out a large portion of your calendar, and we really feel like there's a need in the industry now to change the economics of that and to create smaller regional shows. Instead of trying to get, you know, 50,000, 80,000 people, if we can get a couple of hundred people in a region, get the manufacturers in where the most expensive sponsorship is like six, seven, eight thousand dollars, um, and the least expensive is 500, and it's in their backyard. Now, all of a sudden, you're having people that can exhibit, they're not spending a lot of money, that don't need to spend a lot of time with booths. We're, we're holding these events at both sponsor locations and end user locations, which are not costing anybody anything, so there's no cost there. Um, and for attendees, it's free and in their region and area. So we kind of figured putting that together as a win-win-win, again, with, with our super high quality material that's on point with going on, what's going on in the industry, we were hoping to do this first New York event and maybe get about 200 people involved you know, as attendees. And at the end of the day, we wound up getting 300. Um, and uh, um, every session we had was was closed out and fully packed, you know, based on the fire code of each individual venue. Um, lots of kudos. So, I mean, we think it was a great success. We're filling a need, and we're going to continue to fill a need. We're going to be doing these shows um, later this year um, in the Silicon Valley area, and we're kind of hoping to do one in the UK toward the end of the year as well. Each show will have a different personality. You know, clearly in California, you know, you can't do three venues in a day with people going around a city because people will be on the freeway all day. So we're going to have to pick, you know, venues that are shared that people will stay in. Um, in the UK, it kind of depends where we are. You know, we have a lot of companies that are in the middle of the city. But we also have some stadiums that were just built. So, again, we'll play with it. The same idea. Not expensive for the sponsors. Um, free for the end users. Lots of great material. Doesn't take more than a day or two out of your time. Not a lot of people needing to book hotel or travel arrangements. Um, it just seems like a real winning combination. We'll do as many of them during the year as we can. No, it's, it sounds like a really great, great concept. And I suppose the, the New York market was was the perfect place to start for, for some of the reasons you were mentioning there in terms of that. You get that consolidation in terms of a, a relatively small area for people to be able to go to different events. Yeah, one of the interesting things about New York is you have a tremendous concentration, not just of uh, um, manufacturers and service providers in the industry, which you do, but you have a tremendous concentration of the largest integrators in the industry. So, you know, at this at this particular venue, and that's a mistake that a lot of some of the other organizations in the space uh, don't follow, is they do this for end users only, but then they say, no, integrators, you're not allowed to come unless you give us, you know, $3,000 as a speaking fee, or you're allowed to come to our cocktail party later. It's, that's ridiculous. The, this The vitality of the industry 
is involved with the integrators. We had probably 55, 60% New York area integrators, consultants that were interested in attending and finding out what was going on. So you get them, you get the end users, you get some of the showcase locations and the, the, the sponsors that didn't have showcase locations either worked through an end user venue or sponsored one of the, the meals and you know set it up with a restaurant. So it, it was a great opportunity to bring a lot of very high quality people together, a lot of great presentations. Yeah, like, like you said, I, I can completely see the, the concept in terms of getting smaller numbers of, of the right people into, into one place to discuss it. So for, from your perspective, what, what were some of the main themes? What were some of the main takeaways you, you took from the week? Well, the, the first one that's overriding that isn't specifically themes on our industry, but is, is, is something to take note of for all of these get togethers. Vendors want to speak to other vendors, manufacturers want to speak to other manufacturers, and end users want to speak to other end users. There are so few opportunities for free networking, meaning the ability to just go around and make your own connections. Everybody wants to know what everybody else is doing. One of the um, awards we gave away to Snora Kespu, who got a Lifetime Achievement Award as he leaves the industry, usually going from Cisco to Bang & Olsen, um, one of the awards we gave him, he, he uh, presented after he received it and said that, you know, the IMCCA that runs this, we're kind of the shepherds. We provide this opportunity for com competitors and, and, and colleagues in different industries and, 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 and end users in different industries to compare notes so that people won't step in the same potholes and they'll be able to you know, stand on each other's shoulders. Nobody else is really doing that in this type of format. So that was one of the key themes is let the people in the industry talk to each other, give them opportunities to do it. Um, as it relates to the, 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 the technical themes, you know, we had some very interesting venues and we're trying to remember them all off the top of my head because it's you know, a couple of weeks ago as we chatted. Um, uh, we started this with the concept of IoT and meeting spaces and what's going on with all of that. We then moved to the idea of all these concepts are really terrific, but how do you do them in a very secure uh, enterprise environment where you know, ports are closed and, and people don't want you to do anything. So we had that security discussion around there, which was really good. Um, uh, the following day, we, we, were, we went into talking about large, robust enterprise uh, environments that, that Cisco hosted. And, you know, what's, what's, with, with all the, the prevalence of all of these PC-based things that are coming on, is there still a need for appliances? And we got into a real healthy debate around how that worked out. We then uh, went over to Oblong's headquarters and talked about ideation, everything from, uh, from flip charts to, uh, to ideation to, uh, you know, everything in between. Um, and then the last day, uh, we had a couple of sessions talking about what's going on in the team chat space um, and, and what's real and what's not real and how do people take it and what's going on in the video cloud. And we felt it was a really good idea to present a balanced presentation on each of the topics, highlight what was going on in the industry, let an expert in the industry speak. In some cases, it was myself. In some cases, it was IMCC, co IMCC colleagues. And in some cases, it was industry analysts presenting on the topic and giving their idea, allowing a chat, and then letting the host or sponsor or whatever lead a panel discussion and a presentation around their perspectives. Well, it's, re it's really interesting. And as you said at the beginning, sort of the, the importance of collaboration, and we at UC Today seem to be recognising that collaboration seems to be pulling more and more from the other areas of communication technology into the platforms, and whether that will win the battle is sort of the the, the initial application that, that users are working with. And I wanted to start on, on one of the themes that in, in the preparation for the podcast that you sent me over about the, the team chat applications. And when, I, when I'm talking about team chat, so we're talking, I mean, the, the biggest ones that everyone most recognizable and, and are you Cisco WebEx teams, Microsoft teams, and, and probably the, the arbiters of, or, or the, the founders of the industry in, in terms of Slack and how they're working very well in, in small populations of, well, it often tends to be knowledge workers, but it's more difficult for them to really permeate a large enterprise as a whole. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a great debate. Uh, it's it, it pits um, you know Gen Zers and Millennials against Boomers and people that are older, and it pits smaller organizations against larger organizations. Personally, I use all of the platforms, and I find all of the Team Chat platforms. Because you know, I'm 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 you know my role in the industry is unique in that I kind of need to be aware of everything. I find value in all of them, but I find Achilles heels in all of them. Um, if you want to stop using email and you move your team over to a team chat platform, so everybody needs to contribute. One of the things that came out of the session is if you have a, a group of people that are um, energized and motivated to use the platform, it can become a tremendous success. And you get some some of a, like a Nemerti's research and and let's do video. You know they they swear by these apps that they're terrific. They've changed. They'll cut down on email, change their way. And then you ask them, well, how many people are there in your organization? six eight yeah ten. so when you have that number of highly motivated people using the platform it can be very powerful but i've seen personally when you try and introduce any of these team chat applications into an enterprise of a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand as soon as you put somebody in into the team and want to use it for critical information that won't participate they only were going to use email. They're hesitant. They don't check their messages as much. They're not motivated to use it. As the leader and organizer, now I need to go and chase them. So instead of having my work and increasing my productivity, I've doubled my work. Um, and, and that becomes the rub. Again, small groups of motivated people, whether they're an organization that fits that profile or whether they're an actual team or a group within a larger organization that fits that profile, they're a tremendous benefit. Will they take over as the next Nirvana? Um, I'm on the skeptical side of that. I've seen places where they absolutely don't work um, and people ignore them and they're useless. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I will, I, I will suggest that you go back and read some of my articles from 2006 around telepresence when the whole industry was hailing immersive telepresence as the do-all, end-all, be-all. And now they're, if any still exist, they're being ripped out by companies. I think we're going to see the same thing with team chat. It's a pendulum that swung too far. And eventually it's going to find its niche in the, in, in the industry with people who will get a lot of use out of it because it works for them, but it's not going to be the do-all, end-all, be-all that people will be pushing themselves to. Just from your, your opinion and attendees and, and sponsors that, that you will have canvassed opinion on during collaboration week, is there anything that the, the application providers themselves can do to try and rectify that? Or is it fundamentally a problem with the sort of concept? Um. Well, it came up in a number of the sessions that, that the concept of, of speaking to actual end users, getting a real needs assessment, and meeting the needs is something the industry is falling flat on in most cases. Not in all cases, but in most cases. That is clearly our weakness across all of the technologies, not just team chat. Rather than pick a tool because you think it's the best tool and provide it to your people and say, look, there, we've done it. Now it's biller time or, you know, let's go for a pub crawl or whatever. The, the, the right thing to do is ask them, what are your biggest problems? One of the presenters we had on Monday from Accenture made the point that when that conversation took place with their people, um, the first thing they said is they can't find a room. You know, you know, forget desktop, forget huddle room, forget anything else, the calendaring, there isn't enough space, there isn't enough ability to easily book something, they need more accessibility to systems and places and rooms. So, you know, we're trying to solve other problems, like how to how to cut down on email, they're all trying to find a place to meet. So, so we've got to have that alignment. And, and, and when you have a good adoption alignment, when you pick the tools that meet the end user outcomes that are required, that's when you're going to get a higher degree of adoption. You get champions using it, the champions bring everybody else along, um, and it's much more successful. 
but it has to have that fit. And there's no way, I mean, it's the old um, uh, analogy that I give at every one of my presentations. You know, a hammer is a fabulous tool. I would never go anywhere without it in my toolkit. But if the job is cutting glass, it's the wrong tool. And no amount of adoption is going to make it the right tool if we've picked the wrong one. No, absolutely. That's a, that's a very salient point. Uh, another area I wanted to, to pick your brain on, another theme of the week, and I know it's something that I've spoken to you about in the past, is that there's a fine balance, isn't there? And, and we talk about adoption. We, we hear ease of use and, it ha you know, it has to be easy for use. It has to be intuitive for users. But there's a real balance, especially in enterprise organisations, for the, the networking team or the IT team or the management team to balance security with that ease of use intuitive simple process and that, that's a difficult it's a difficult medium to find isn't it yeah we, well, that was the topic of discussion that we had uh, when we went over to the blackrock location graciously they're providing their facility and we had about um about 75 80 people there talking about this and you know that's an organization typical of many in the financial services department that has their ports locked down it has their um, ip addresses locked it has their usb ports locked um, if, if you want to do outside communication, most people are not using general compute at a desktop. Most people are using some type of thin client. All of the things that collaboration and unified communication says doesn't work very well with us, they're, they're forced to use them all. So how do you work in an environment like that? And the bottom line answer is carefully. In some cases, you're, you're figuring out how to optimize the network and how to optimize the thin client to get around issues. In some cases, you're simply saying, no, we are not going to do this yet. We're going to wait until there's a secure version, until there's something that we can work with. Um, it becomes a very difficult balance. And, and I guess the, the, the way we, we described it in the chart, you know, if you look at it as scales, you know, the, the, on, on one side, if you make the, the, the compliance issues too onerous, people will leave the firm. One of my last jobs uh, uh, put out um, an MDM system on the mobile phones that required me to give access to my personal mobile phone to their MDM client just because I had their email on it. And that's something I'm never going to do. And was that, was that a reason for me leaving the, the company? It was one of them. You know, I, you know I, I, I had to carry two phones and I didn't want to. On the other hand, if, if everybody can just log in from everything and there's no security and there's no nothing, then you have the issue of you know, perhaps breaking compliance laws, perhaps uh, um, 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 giving out intellectual property to competitors. So where do you strike that balance between making sure that the organization is compliant and following the right safety and restrict restrictions and protocols versus making it so draconian that nobody's going to want to work for you? And, you know, that's that's a moving target at all firms. The one thing we did talk about that's 100 percent clear is this is not the 1990s anymore. You can't install an AV system or a UC system and be done with it. You've got to make sure that you're updating systems, you know, for malware protection and password protection. And, and you know, your passwords can't be admin level access in rooms. It's going to have to be be a standard password management and all the things that require you to react much more quickly than we used to have to. You know, we when when a. Um, when I was managing a video conferencing codecs before um, Y2K, you know, when, it, when, a, when a firmware update came out, we said, ah, oh, maybe we'll pass this one. We'll take the next one. Why should we have to go through all these cycles? Now a firmware update comes out and, you know, you got to get it installed within a week or you're vulnerable. So that's, that's what's changed is, is, is the speed to have to keep these things updated and each organization finding their balance between draconian compliance rules and absolutely necessary security. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, debate on, on where that balance lies. And, and I don't think you can have any discussion about collaboration without talking about the emerging technology trends that I know 
you and I hear hear a lot about and, and potentially too much about. And, and I was thinking about the, the Internet of Things in terms of connected devices and the, and the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence with tool, within tools. So how did the week come about in terms of use of those emerging technologies within collaboration platforms? Well, the, the, it's clear that as an industry, we have failed up to this point uh, because we've built our systems and technologies and platforms for you and me. Um, for the techie, for the, the one, two, three percent of people that are comfortable having a Teams call uh, like we are right now and then switching over to Skype and then switching over to Zoom and then, you know, dealing with real presence. You know, we do that all the time. It's our life. The typical user couldn't care less. They don't want it. They want to walk into their facility, walk over to their desktop and start working. And, and anything that we do that puts friction in front of that is a, it prevents adoption, prevents the tool from being utilized to its fullest. So AI has the potential of, hey, you, you recognize because my, my, my mobile is in the room and the beacon is on or, 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 or high frequency, low frequency or, 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 or facial recognition or some other voice recognition, some other thing where the room or the system knows it's me. So it automatically logs me on, it automatically loads my meeting and I can just say, hey, start my meeting and we go ahead with it. Clearly we're heading there. There are barriers, you know, there's GDPR, there's, there's other types of privacy issues, there are all kinds of things that, that, are, that need to be dealt with, but we will deal with them because end users are demanding that this stuff be easier. And, and that's what we've kind of saw at all of the sessions at all the meetings, the end users are saying, yeah, sure, I get it. You've got this um, beautiful whiteboard that can tilt on its side and you can do tic-tac-toe and run it from 19 different buildings and, and, and do video calls on it. But, but if I can't figure out how to use it, the first time I've seen it, when I've walked into a conference room, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to put my mobile phone on the table and make a phone call. So how do we let machine learning and AI make it easier for the average person? How do we link those personal devices to the larger room and desktop systems? Um, and how do we make this a much more frictionless uh, experience for the end users? That, that's overriding as part of our mission, and we sometimes forget that. Well, well David, as always, it's, it's fascinating chatting to you, and I know that was just a, a very small sample size of, of some of the insights that, that Collaboration Week gleaned. So wh where can the listeners find out more about what's going on and, and potential future events that you mentioned as well? Sure. Okay. So a couple of web links here, and, and hopefully you can share them in writing as people listen to the podcast. But if you go to collaborationweekny.org, that is the website that had all of the New York festivities on it. And the last tab on top is for pictures and presentations. All the presentations that the IMCCA provided and all the ones that any of the manufacturers gave to us because it was their option um, are all listed there with a couple of the pictures. Definitely download some of that content. It's really good stuff. Uh, probably better than you'll get at any of the trade shows this year, if I can brag a little. Um, and then there's always uh, imcca.org, which is the Interactive Multimedia and Collaborative Communications Alliance. Um, and the IMCCA, um, is, as I said, is going to be doing some more of these events later this year in Silicon Valley and hopefully in the UK. We'll announce them on that page. And everybody should, of course, follow me online. Just go to my danto.info page or just follow me on Twitter at uh, uh, NJDavidD. And uh, I'll be announcing all this stuff and uh, keeping everybody up to speed. Because when, when the industry grows, when we get better, all boats rise with the tide. And I'm very happy to be a part of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll include those those links on the on the supporting article for the podcast. And as I said, I, I follow you on social as well. So it's it's almost it's almost hectic even keeping up with your schedule, David. So I look forward to what what you've got planned over the rest of 2019. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you at many of these events as well.
Massive thanks to David for coming onto the podcast with me to review Collaboration Week New York 19. It sounds like it was a really unique event, so I look forward to attending one in the future. As David said, if you want to know more, you can visit the website and the link is included in the supporting article to this podcast, which you can find at uctoday.com. Also, if you want to know more about the collaboration industry in general, you can find all of the latest news, product reviews, and analysis on the website. So just find the collaboration section in the drop-down menu and everything you need will be there. If you enjoyed this podcast or any other episode in the series, please do recommend it to a friend, subscribe on your preferred pod platform, and leave a nice review if you have time. As always, though, thanks for listening.